are some specific intentional disciplines that have to be carried out if that person is going to grow in that way. Oh, we got to help them see what that is. And it's hard work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't come easy. Well, the Christian life, unlike what we painted it, is not about walking an aisle, praying a prayer, and sitting in a seat. Yeah, there are steps you take to become part of that local community. But to grow in your faith is really hard work. I mean, it is it is putting the flesh to death. It's dying to self. And those are daily undertakings. Dr. Lee Brand Jr. is the new pastor at Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett. Dr. Lee Brand, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint here on Bot Radio Network. Hey, my brother, it's good to be with you. It's been too long. Uh, my goodness. And I say the new pastor. How much time now has gone by since you taken the helm there at Faith? Almost a year. It'll be a year at the end of the month. I wanted you to get settled first and make sure everything was fitting nice. You, you liked your office chair and you've settled in, though, I believe. Absolutely. I mean, as much as you can. I mean, ministry is different every single day, but it is, man. Great people, and we're we're fitting well. You have a wonderful team, and you follow in the footsteps one of my dearest friends, Dr. Danny Sinkfield. Amen. Who's pastor of Emeritus, still part of the ministry and, and doing a great job Absolutely. for Tennessee Baptists all across the state. He is, man. Danny's a great brother. I consider him to be a good friend. Even before I went to faith and had the Lord not called me to faith, I yep. mean, we would still be great friends. In fact, just was texting with him before I got over here. You and your wife, Tiffany, mm-hmm. got married in 2003. Yep. How's Tiffany doing? Doing great. Tiffany's doing great. Five children God has blessed you with. Yes, sir. So that transition coming from the seminary, of course, you were the dean, vice president at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. Pastoring is not new to you. I mean, you pastored down in Starkville, Mississippi. Uh, You're stomping ground not too far from where you grew up in Nettleton, Mississippi. We're going to talk some about that. But God called you to leave the seminary and take on the role here at Faith Baptist. And I know the church was in search after Dr. Sinkfield decided to take the call that Tennessee Baptists were asking him to come and help them, you know, organize and encourage pastors across the state of Tennessee. Yeah. It's been a unique time, man, but I see the Lord's hand in all of it. And it's been it's been fun. There have been some challenges along the way, but praise God for where we are right now. What do you appreciate most about Tiffany? Can we do that in like two shows? <laughs> uh, Again, yeah. But was... No, man, I mean, my wife just, her love for the Lord, her commitment to her family, man. I mean, my wife has just stood by me in everything and been the epitome of what I think the Proverbs 31 woman is, telling me just outright, wherever the Lord leads you is where I'm going. Yes, and I love that. You're in the season of life now. You've got five children. There's Trey, Megan, Avery, Micah, and Matthew. You're in the season of life, and I'm not sure where all their ages are right now, but it's one of those seasons where it only lasts a short period of time. Now, when you're in the middle of it, it seems like, how am I going to get through this? But it goes by so fast. I've heard it said there's 7,000 days from cradle to college wow. that we have with our children, and they just keep ticking like yep. that. You know, they're just moving. Well, I mean, you know, I think about it. My oldest son just turned 16, and I remember coming home from the hospital with him, you know. And kind of to your point, I've heard it said a little different. The, the way I heard it was, at the point I'm at in my life, the days are long, but the years are fast. No, That's no. exactly right. <laughs> then it reverses. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. where I'm at right now. Yeah. How do you handle family disagreements when there's a decision in the family and everybody's got their opinion? How do you handle those times? Well, I mean, even in those things, I think for me, it's trying, first of all, to shepherd my family. No matter what the issue is that we face, 
taking some what I think are very biblical steps and how we walk through those things. First of all, do I really believe this is something the Lord has led me into? And then from there, there needs to be agreement between me and my wife about is this God's will for us? And when we're settled on that, then it's working that into the lives of our children right. as is appropriate. You know, the way I handle that with my 16-year-old is going to be a little different than the way I handle it with my 6-year-old, but they both need to have some opportunity to express how they feel and be heard. I think that's so importantly. That's a good word right there. Lemuel Haynes was born on July 18, 1753 in Connecticut. How has the life of Lemuel Haynes inspired or influenced you the most? Well, actually researching his life is what I did in my doctoral work. His commitment to the Lord, his commitment to the Word of God and just ministry for me, he loved serving the Lord and he was very faithful in doing that. He was first an indentured servant. He was what's believed to be the first black Puritan, soldier in the Continental Army during the American Revolution, spiritual grandson of Jonathan Edwards, the first black man in the United States to be ordained as a congregational minister. Mm -hmm. Wow. When we talk about black history, it's men like Lemuel we don't hear about. Oh, no. And I have a bunch of theories about why that is. Yeah, I think he's the epitome of what it means to be an American who happens to be a very great African-American. I did not know the difference between slaves and indentured servants. Indentured servants were men and women who willingly signed a contract in which they agreed to work for a certain number of years to compensate for their voyage to America. What else have you learned about this group of people? Well, I've slept a little bit since I did all that research. But I mean, just that one piece you brought up is profound to me as I think about uh, indentured servitude. I mean, knowing there's a debt to be paid and thinking about creative ways to resolve that debt. July 1st, 1979, Lee and Sandra Brown Jr. held you in their arms for the first time. What did your parents teach you about life growing up in Nettleton, Mississippi? I mean, quite a bit. I think for me, one of those is just honestly the value of hard work. My parents worked, I mean, really hard they all They were my factory life. workers, weren't they? My mom and dad were both factory workers and both worked until retirement. My dad, I tell people, he just basically wore his body out working every day. You attended Nettleton High School and graduated in 1997. Now, if I was to sit down with your teachers and to say, what was Lee like as a student? What kind of response would I get? Do you mean in the classroom or, you know, in the hallway? I mean, because uh, they're different. I, I think it would be varied. But I mean, for the most part, I got my work done. I was a clown. I loved to have fun. Didn't spend a lot of time in the principal's office or the hallway, but I, I did my fair share of tours in both of those. As you mentioned, your parents being factory workers, which really was the beginning of a spiritual journey for your family in the sense that there was a fellow co-worker there and who was also a pastor yep. and invited your parents to church. Tell me about that. Uh, that was Pastor Ben Jones. He worked with my mom and dad for most of their lives, if you will, in that factory. When I was a, a little baby, probably an infant, my mom and my brothers and sisters and myself, we would go to church where he pastored and then just kind of fell away, if you will. And one day he was just burdened to go back and talk to my mom and encourage her to come back. That was around 11 or 12 for me. And we started going back. It was during that time the Lord saved me. And it's from that same church I was called into ministry. I think there was a little bit of a struggle from the time that you made that decision for Christ before you actually 
Was it college or was it before high school that the Lord started dealing with you more specifically about sanctification or sure. walking more daily with him? That was um, around my end of my junior, going into my senior year in high school. But yeah, if you met me from around that 12 or 13 mark when I came to Christ up until that 16 year mark in my life, I mean, I tell people that I really looked a lot like a lost person. At that point, though, the Lord began to bring people into my life that I was listening to and sensitive to began to get in the Word, started growing, and then it was at that point I was called into ministry. Bethel Missionary Baptist Church in Starkville, Mississippi. Was that your first pastor? Yeah, and they, they pronounce it Bethel, but Bethel. yes, sir. Yeah, yeah that's my first pastor. It was there for almost 18 years. Was that the church you were at prior to coming to Memphis to go to Mid-America? It sure was. And so you actually did your student work at Mid-America while you were pastoring that church, I too. did. I noticed, too, while you were there, there was something called the Watchdog Dads at Suddeth Elementary. What's a watchdog, Dad? Well, I mean, we had the opportunity to go into the schools, read to the children, walk the halls, let them see a male presence in their schools that wasn't necessarily tied to anything negative or punitive. And so it was a great opportunity for me to be out in the community serving. Part of that service, too, included serving with the Starkville Police Department. You were a chaplain with them. Yep. What was that like? For the most part, it really wasn't what I call a heavy lift, but there were some times it became difficult having to make those late night visits to families when somebody was injured or, or killed and yeah. stuff like that. Of course, now that you're pastoring a city church like Faith, you know, quite larger, I'm, I'm assuming, than yes. the ministry there in Starkville. What have been some of the differences you've seen in adjusting and the difficulties sometimes maybe a small church pastor has to deal with compared to what you're seeing when you move into a church like Faith? Sure. Well, I mean, for me, I think the first was settling in my heart that the scope of what I do never changes. The scale of what I do changed tremendously when I came to faith and watching how the Lord had worked in my life to prepare me for that uh, from, you know, my time at Mid-America and my time in Starville, the Lord blessed me to gain some skills that helped me for where I am now. But again, centering the ministry on the word of God, shepherding the people has been the thing that doesn't change. Again, the number of people and the scale of that has changed. And I guess a larger team of people around you to help you accomplish those goals, too. Absolutely. Because, I mean, again, in Starkville, I was the full-time staff person. But now having a really, really strong, qualified, God-loving team around me that I can delegate to and and really have a multitude of counselors sitting around the table as we talk through things when okay. necessary. Now, Lee, as we mentioned, you served as vice president and dean at Mid-America Seminary before answering the call to come to faith. How did... Tiffany and you together confirm that was God's will for you? Well, I mean, first through prayer, and then, you know, I have some what I call very strategic steps that I take as I pray through stuff like that that I think are biblical steps. As it relates to God's calling in my life, there are two things I've tried to always look for that I think are biblical when I'm trying to discern what that call is. First of all, when you watch how God has called other people in Scripture, typically He doesn't call people to things that they're looking for, especially in ministry. I've never been a person who tries to make things happen. I'm not trying to push doors open, but if a door is sitting wide open that I didn't have my hand on, God, why is that door open? Yeah. So that's one. Then the other thing we're praying through, as I look at Scripture, I don't often see the Lord call people to things they can do without Him. So this, for me, the move to go to Mid-America, definitely check both of those boxes, just like the move to faith checked both of those boxes. Yeah, made it happen. Yeah. I love that. So what have you discovered so far? It's only been a year now, but what have you discovered about the people at Faith Baptist? 
some of the absolute most loving people I have ever been around in my life. I mean, from loving the Lord to loving their church, loving their staff and their leaders and loving their community. I mean, Faith Baptist Church has a unique kind of love. I mean, they really do. The history of ministry, church planting, working all across the city. It's been neat to see it just grow over the years and see what God has done. When I was even in the interview process, one of the things I was told about was the faith spirit. And one of the men on the committee said, it's something you're going to have to actually see in action to be able to not just appreciate it, but to describe it. And honestly, almost a year in, being a part of faith and watching the faith spirit, in some ways, Byron, it's indescribable. I mean, it really is. You have to be immersed in the environment to watch the people do it in real time to appreciate how loving those people really are. And I know that they already have a heart to reaching people with the gospel. Absolutely. Which is, I know, your passion, number one. Yeah. So I think it's a beautiful fit. And, you know, and I think we're going to have some really unique opportunities in the world we live in to really stand up and champion the gospel. Yes. Lee, you mentioned just a moment ago that you weren't seeking the position at Faith Baptist as the senior pastor, nor were you seeking the dean or vice president position at Mid-America Seminary. Back in 2021, you were elected as Southern Baptist Convention's first vice president. At first, you had no interest to have your name in the hat on that one either. No, not at all. I mean, I I had plenty to do and uh, (laughs) didn't need another thing to do. Why was that? What were the reservations? I don't know. I guess for me... I don't necessarily see myself as a person to fulfill that role, quote unquote, whatever that role is. At that moment, it was first vice president. It was not something I was looking for. It wasn't something that had ever really sparked my interest. But somebody just asked me, would you pray about it? And through prayer, the Lord began to really massage into my heart that this was his leading and not just some idea from somebody else. Right. Well, according to Article 5 of the Southern Baptist Convention's Constitution, that a denomination officers include a first vice president and a second vice president in case of death or disability of the president, the vice president shall automatically succeed to the office of president in order of their election. So you were potentially right there to be the head of the Southern Baptist Convention. (laughs) Which is all the more reason why I didn't want to be first (laughs) vice president. (laughs) Well, as first vice president, do you feel that you have had a place at the table to give voice to matters and concerns over compromising biblical authority when maybe such threats arise? To be fair to that question, I think that the way the office works as first vice president, I don't know that I would say I felt like I always had a seat at the table. But being first vice president gave me a platform, and whether or not I was at the table, I could use the platform, if that makes sense. I understand. Well, how encouraged are you right now over the current state of the Southern Baptist Convention? Uh, Cautiously optimistic on some things. There are still some things that concern me, but I don't think, Byron, there's a way to have an organization as large as the SBC and there not be a few points of concern. But I was very encouraged by the positions that we took in New Orleans, uh, nailing down who can serve as a pastor and things like that. Why is that so important? Well, because it's a biblical issue. You know, yes, it's not a heaven or hell salvation issue, but it's clearly an issue that strikes at the sufficiency of Scripture because the Bible is very clear in Timothy, First Timothy 3, about who can be a pastor, what are those qualifications. And if we're going to skirt the line or step over the line there, and that's a clear line, well, what other biblical lines are we willing to compromise on? So I was encouraged by that. Well, that's a good word there, Lee, definitely. I want to discuss with you, too, Lee, some common problems 
that are facing churches today and just go over a few of these things to get your feedback and your input of what you may have recognized in your ministry of looking at some of these. And one of which is what happens when the vision and strategy of a church aren't aligned. I guess I go back to my coaching days of getting your team, assessing your team and understanding what the the strengths and weaknesses of your team are and then playing to that. I mean, as a church, we function as the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ. I think he sets the vision for the church, which is the Great Commission. We're going to make disciples and win people and plant churches. And if our strategy is not to accomplishing that, then we're kind of working off purpose and it frustrates everybody. Yeah. And if the church has a clear vision and there's no progress because the people have got to be committed, right? Absolutely. I mean, every church is a volunteer army. If the volunteers don't come to work, the army doesn't move. Yeah. Next question, Lee, what about a culture in a church that works against its vision? Have you seen that? Well, you know, I'm really blessed, man. In, in, in the two assignments I've had, I have not seen that happen personally, but absolutely. We hear what I think of the horror stories all the time of places that may want uh, in, in word, they want leadership and vision. But when that comes to pass and it's not the vision or the version of the vision they want, they kick against that. Uh, And I think that's completely detrimental. So how do you build a cultural model that's teaching and training people the core values? What are the keys to doing that? To me, it's very simple, brother. It's always taking people back to Scripture. I don't want the people of faith or any people who say they're God's people. I don't want them doing anything because I said it. I don't want them going in any direction because this is where Lee Brand wants to go. Let's open up this book because the Lord is very clear. He calls the church at least two things. One is his body. The other is his bride. And if I take those for you and for me or any man that I know, I don't want anybody just doing anything with my body, and I certainly don't want just anybody doing anything with my bride. If it's his bride, then he sets the tone and direction for his bride. Yes. I love that, Lee, and I think that's something we desperately need in the church today. I heard Dr. MacArthur respond recently to something similar when it comes to authority. You know, he says, I don't have any authority. I'm not based on anything I say. It's strictly on Scripture. We can't compromise that authority of Scripture. Right. If we don't have the book, we don't have anything, you know, because it's the foundation from which we understand God, from which we understand authority and, and all the other things of life. What happens when the church lacks a clear outreach focus? Like you said, it's so easy to get involved within the internal operation of the church, having wonderful programs. And you're not on mandate. You're not on mission, which is the gospel. Yeah. Well, I think the the very clear pattern for any church that turns inward is I think that you begin to dry and die. There's almost a rot and a decay that happens because God's people are supposed to be outwardly focused. Now, that doesn't mean there are not things within that body that need to be handled. And in fact, those are handled first. We make sure the needs of our people are met first, but we're never so inwardly focused that we lose sight that there's a world out there to be reached. What about failure to authentically disciple our people, disciple the church? What does biblical discipleship look like And why has the church failed so bad in this area? Well, I think what it looks like is just to present every person mature in Christ. That seems really broad and really big, but how do we do that? Is it more than just on Sunday mornings, though? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if if all you've got is Sunday morning, what you've got are people showing up to the pep rally. 
but the game is life. And so true discipleship is life on life, moment by moment, day by day. And so I think the church has to continually work at improving those processes to help our people learn to do life on life, which, to be fair, I don't think is always a model we've championed because we've done so much to get people to the building. And I think that's detrimental to us. Yeah, I want people there on Sunday, and that's great, but I want you to do life beyond this. So we've got to emphasize not just the preaching of the word, but how do we bend our life in the shape of that word when we leave on Sunday? Yeah, that's a good word there. And trying to develop that culture of discipleship where we as believers in the congregation say, it's my responsibility. You look at Scripture and we see where examples of older men instructing younger men, older women instructing younger women. As I'm growing in my faith, I might be a few steps beyond where the next person is, but I can help that person grow in their faith. Yeah. And I think, too, there's got to be an openness on the part of everybody. In the same way, no two people become friends by accident. Disciples aren't made by accident. It's intentional on purpose. Even if you and I were to meet by accident, if a true friendship grows out of that, there's, ha- there's intentionality on both sides. Yes. If a person is going to be a true disciple of Christ, they're going to grow in Christ. That's not going to happen by accident. There's some specific intentional disciplines that have to be carried out if that person is going to grow in that way. Oh, and we've got to help them see what that is. And it's hard work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't come easy. Well, the Christian life, unlike what we painted it, is not about walking an aisle, praying a prayer and sitting in a seat. Yeah, there are steps you take to become part of that local community. But to grow in your faith is really hard work. I mean, it is, it is putting the flesh to death. It's dying to self. And those are daily undertakings. Lee, that's a great word. Now, as we start to wrap up the show, I have a punch list of questions. I'm just going to run through these and hit you with these things, okay? okay. When are service times at Faith Baptist Church? Sunday mornings, 9, 15, 11 o'clock, Sunday evenings at 6, and then Wednesdays at 6. If you aren't preaching Sunday, where would you likely be seen? Faith Baptist Church. (laughs) That's good. Okay. Now, do you use a push or riding mower to cut the grass? Riding. There you go. Uh, What chore around the house do you like the least? Oh, man. Do I like the least? Mopping a floor. (laughs) I think I'm with you on that one, brother. What is a rare book title that's not currently in your library now you would love to have a copy of? I want to make sure I heard you. A rare book title. Yeah, a, a copy that's something you don't have in your current library that you would love to have. I would love a full library of the sermons of Charles Spurgeon. Okay. I want our listeners to hear that because somebody might have that and want to donate it to you, brother. Hey, well, <laughs> so be it. Now, when you plan a date night with Tiffany, where are you likely to take her? What are you likely to do? Wherever she wants to go, whatever she wants to do. Because <laughs> it could vary. I mean, we don't get a bunch of those. Yeah. With five children, it's kind of hard to juggle that, right? Yeah. I tell people, when you have five kids, with every child, your babysitters are divided in half. So by the time you get to five children, your hope is for your oldest child to get big enough to dial the phone so you can leave them all at the house. <laughs> I was going to say, because back when I was babysitting age, I think it was like 50 cents an hour like that now. What, what is it? Probably $15 or more an I mean, hour now. It's almost, you know, the price of a kid to get somebody to come watch kids I was going to say, what activity do you enjoy most when you're hanging out with your kids? Just you and the kids hanging out. What do you like to do? I mean, for me, man, getting out in the yard, playing basketball, walking through the neighborhood, anything like that where it's somewhat active, but it's me and them and it's nothing else. Yeah. I tell you, when you hang out with the kids, 
There's nothing like it, yeah. right? There's I mean, and I love being daddy. I mean, yeah. when I'm with them, it's not it's not doctorly, brotherly, Pat. It's daddy, you daddy. know. Yeah. And I love that. I love that too. Okay, now if I were to write you a check for ten thousand dollars as a personal gift, would you claim it on your income tax? Yeah, I have to. You didn't ask me if I wanted to. You <laughs> said, would I? Yeah, I would. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't have $10,000 to write to you, so we're, we're both good on that one, okay? No, we're good, bro. <laughs> we're Thank good you. on that. Lee, as we just kind of finalize things here, and as we mentioned, you're one year into the ministry as senior pastor at Faith Baptist. I can't help. There might be somebody listening right now. Maybe they're unchurched, or they've been out of church for a while, looking for a new church home, a place to grow in their walk with Christ. What do you want a first-time person to experience? Give me some insight in what you would like for them to know about the ministry of faith. I think I could probably summarize that best in the words of a gentleman who visited our church that I talked to. His words were these. He said, man, knowing there are a lot of good churches around, don't ever want to take away from that. But he said, I have never felt loved by any group of people the way I felt loved when I came in the doors at Faith Baptist Church. And so for me, to any person who is unchurched looking for a church, we're going to preach the same Jesus from the same Bible the people of God have used for 2,000 years. But what I hope you would find when you come to faith is people who love people enough to walk with people, to stand beside people, point people to the Word of God and the God of the Word so that we can turn our lives in His direction and not our own. And sometimes that's tough. And this is what I tell people. You can come here and struggle and know that we'll struggle together. That's Faith Baptist Church. I love that. And sadly, I was talking to a friend recently that went out of town. They wanted to attend a church. And they said they found this little local church they they thought would be a good visit. They just wanted to hear God's word preached. And not one person welcomed them, said hi to them, greeted them. It was like they didn't even exist, you know, there. And sadly... That happens so often, but the testimony of love when somebody walks into a fellowship like that should be the key, right? Sure. I mean, because we live in a world where, man, if you think about it, people often get treated like another commodity, like a box on a shelf. It's almost like people don't have a face. People don't have an identity. And just to be shown that, hey, you're appreciated for you being you and for you being here, I think goes a long way because that's the first step in showing you care at all. Yes. You know, it's not just you coming for what we can get out of you. We want to give you something. We want to give you the truth of God. If friends want to know more about the ministry of Faith Baptist Church, what's that website? MyFaithBaptist.org, www.MyFaithBaptist.org. It's all right there. Great website. Dr. Lee Brand, my dear brother, thank you so much. Man, I love you. Love you, man. And I always enjoy when we get to hang out together. Anytime you want to come by, any topic you want, this is yours. You just tell me, and we'll make it happen. I'll even bring my microphones to your office if you don't feel like getting out of the office, just so we can get you on the radio and talk to our Bot Radio Network friends. Hey, man, you're a great, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by today. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Mid-South Viewpoint. The show is archived for on-demand listening on our website at botradionetwork.com or via your favorite podcast platform. Stay tuned to Bot Radio Network to fill your day with God's Word.